Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We welcome in a man whose voice is only outmatched by his Washington sports fandom. He's the former host of the Morning Blitz with Al Galdi and is currently the show host of the Al Galdi show on the Team 980 uh, AM from 9 AM to 12 PM Eastern Time. A DMV lover, lover of analytics, and likes him some old school hip hop. If you didn't know who I now who I'm talking about, be getting a little worried about you. Let me pause this intro for five seconds for guest identification. We are talking to Al Galdi. Al, what's up, man? Thanks for coming hey, on. Hey, how show. you guys doing? Good, man. Really appreciative of you coming on. We've been listening uh, local radio for a long time. Love the voice, the golden voice that you have and your, yeah. your knowledge. So uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, it's nice of you to say that, and uh, it's great to meet and talk to you guys. It should be fun. Yeah, so right off the bat, man, I have to ask you. So we we live in Baltimore now, but we listen to a lot in the D.C. area growing up, and I promised my dad you're his favorite guy on the radio. Uh, <laughs> so I told him I'd make sure I'd put that out there. Nice, nice. But, Tell um, your dad thank you. It's very nice. I definitely will. Um, but first, uh, I love the fact that you're in analytics because I think it can paint such a good picture of underlying information of why players and teams are performing how they are. And I feel like not enough people dive into it the way that you do. Um, can you explain what made you kind of get interested in, in getting into more analytical uh, talk and that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a gradual thing. Um, you know, I grew up like most people do. You learn about sports kind of in a very traditional way, right? Like through, like I, I grew up in the 80s and early 90s. So like, you know, baseball cards and playing video games and, you know, watching Sports Center and things like that. But I read a lot of books like that was always kind of a thing I would do, especially like in the summer and like you go to the beach. And so so one of the books, one of the books I read when I was a teenager was uh, this book called The Politics of Glory by Bill James, which is about the Baseball Hall of Fame. And that was kind of the first thing, one of the first things I ever read. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was like it was really like introducing you to analytics and like an analytical way of looking at who should be in the Hall of Fame and who shouldn't be. And it's not as simple as you know, well, he seems like a Hall of Famer, so he should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, that seems kind of arbitrary and, you know, random. Like, there should be maybe more of a methodology to it. So that kind of introduced me to it. Then, uh, like a lot of people, I read the book Moneyball by Michael Lewis in 2003. (laughs) And so that really got me going. And I got introduced to sites like Baseball Prospectus and Football Outsiders. And my brother then really got into analytics, looking at some of the stuff I'd looked at, and he started you know, really diving into it and reading a lot of books. So we kind of both were into it at the same time. But, you know, it's, I think it's like a lot of things. You get exposed to it, you read it, and it just kind of grabs you. And I know it grabbed me. I know it exposed me to a lot of new ways of thinking about things. And I kind of like that. I kind of felt like you should always kind of challenge the orthodoxy. You shouldn't just accept what you're told you should you know challenge it and if it still holds true great but maybe it doesn't and uh and so you know i got into that and uh i don't know it's just kind of been something i've always liked and it's not gospel it shouldn't like govern everything you think but 
I think you're missing a lot if you don't look at it and uh, take it seriously. Yeah, I think it's a really, as I mentioned before, you can kind of tell if whether a player is kind of on the cusp of breaking out, if someone's due for regression. Uh, I know baseball is kind of really shifted towards that way of thinking, talking yeah. about things like WRC plus and WOBA. And you can talk about pitchers K minus walk percentages and those types of things really can help paint that picture that you're talking about. I'm a little more curious also to dive in for you personally here. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit how you got into radio and how you got so involved with DMV sports and what made you want to get into this industry? Yeah. So I always wanted to get into like sports journalism, like writing or broadcasting. Uh, when I went to like in high school, I was the ed- editor of the school paper. So I did like writing in that way. Then I went to Maryland and I was going to do newspaper stuff. And I-, I happened to just go to an open house for the student radio station and that I, I like that. I just kind of got me thinking like, well, why don't I give this a shot and just kind of see where it goes. And I really took to it. I enjoyed it. Um, it was something that I always had, always had been into the station. And I've been lucky enough to work at the team for uh, about 20 years now. And I grew up listening to it. Like it started in 92. And I remember when it started, I was like so excited about it. And I would listen to it all the time. And I still you know listen to it through high school and college. So that kind of had got me thinking about, well, maybe that's a, a way to do things. So I, I just kind of started the broadcasting thing in college just to try and see what it was like. And I just kind of took to it, liked it. Uh, I was able to get an internship at the team um, after my freshman year of college. My, it was a kind of a random story, but uh, my dad's a doctor and he saw the head of the station as a patient and he just happened to ask him like, hey, my son's into this, you know, could he intern with you guys? And he said, yeah, give me a call. So the guy ended up getting fired, like not that long after that, but I was able to at least get my foot in the door as like a, an intern that summer. And then from there, it just became a part-time job. And then when I graduated college, a full-time job, and I've been lucky enough to be there ever since. It's, it's funny though, with sports radio, really with anything having to do with sports media, everyone's story is different. There's no like one way to do it. It's one of the frustrating things. I know when I was, just getting out of college because I wasn't sure if my time at the team like was going to turn into a full-time thing or not. You know, I would ask people like, well, what do you think? And what's the best way to do this as a career? And inevitably people kind of just tell you what they did and like take that path. And like what you kind of learn is if you talk to enough people, there is no path. Like there are a lot of ways to do it. And it's not like being a doctor or a lawyer where like there's a very structured way to become a part of that profession especially nowadays with the way things are and you know you've got a lot of radio stations kind of consolidating and you know they they'll run like syndication most of the day you do have this other avenue to podcasting like it's just there's not one way to do it so never let anyone tell you that you can't do it a certain way it's not easy it's a strange business you can do a really good job and still not have a job like there's a lot of stuff like that but uh, success stories are everywhere and you can definitely make it happen. If I think if you're good at it and you put the time into it and you kind of have maybe the flexibility to, you know, not make a lot of money initially, but understand that there's kind of a, a greater end that you're working toward. Al, you've really risen through the ranks. I mean, you talk about that you started with an internship and, you know, you've really grinded your way and, and risen through the radio. I mean, to the point where you're now hosting your own show, what would you say is the most important lesson or the takeaway that you've experienced in your career for anyone aspiring to get to where you are? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, again, this is just me. Like, everyone's different. But I think it's important to read a lot about sports and to listen a lot. So, like, uh, if you're doing what I do, sports radio, I think it's important to listen to a lot of shows and a lot of different types of shows and different stations. And you just kind of borrow from everybody. Uh, when I was in college, I went to a book signing that Tony Kornheiser was doing at uh, I don't know, White Flint Mall. Well, I don't know if you know that mall or not. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Even yeah. Doctors, man. Yeah, so so the, there used to be a bookstore in White Flint Mall called Borders. Oh, of and, course. And uh, so I went there to meet him because, like, Kornheiser, like, that's one of the guys who really influenced me. And I remember I asked him. It was more about writing because at the time I was still kind of like, oh, I want to do this writing thing. I was like, so would you have any advice for someone who wants to, you know, end up doing what you do? And he was basically, and then he said it in like the classic Kornheiser way, but it was like, just, just you know, copy a bunch of people and do what they do. Like, <laughs> but that's what a lot of it is, because what happens is you mimic people you think are really good, and then you develop your own style out of that. So I just think it's important to expose yourself to a lot of different people, a lot of different styles, understand that. They're not all perfect, you know, so take things that you like. Don't take things you don't like. But I I think that's kind of the best way to do it is you want to try to educate yourself as much as you can. So you want to read a lot about sports and understand things. And especially like if you're broadcasting, you want to try to I think it's a good way to like expand your vocabulary, too, if you read a lot. But you also want to listen to the people who do it and you say, okay, I like how he does this, you know, and listen beyond just like the opinions they're giving, like listen to how they give those opinions because that's as important as anything is to not just look at well he says you know Dwayne Haskins isn't any good it's like no how is he saying that you know like it's easy to say Haskins isn't any good okay how's he doing it is he doing it with humor is he doing it with facts is he doing it with you know sarcasm like so it's like things like that you you almost like you start listening and watching shows I know I do this now you, you watch them, yeah, for the opinions, but as much for, like, the delivery of the opinions and how they do it. So you kind of become, like, a, you know, a student of the art, you know? I mean, as silly as it sounds, right? This is sports talk. Like, it's not, you know, rocket science, but there is an art to it. And so you just try to see if you can educate yourself uh, on that. And you brought up Dwayne Haskins, and I want to use that to switch gears here because you talk the Washington football team a lot on your yes. show. Yes. And so we talked to Joe Theismann and we talked to Jason Campbell about the situation with Haskins. And they both uh, didn't love how the whole situation was handled with his benching basically being demoted to third string, not even being on the active roster. I- I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on how the Washington football team handled the Haskins situation earlier this year? And is there any shot that he comes back in D.C. next year? I think there's always a chance. I just don't think it's very high. I think their actions, they meaning Ron Rivera and the team, the organization, uh, they don't, they are not indicative of a, of an organization that really thinks there's a lot to this guy. I think it's really unfortunate because I was really bullish on him in the off season. I thought he, you know, was working toward being the starter. I thought he had, you know, initially, if you remember when Rivera got hired, it was like this constant thing of Dwayne needs to be more of a leader and Dwayne needs to work harder and all these kinds of things. I thought he did that in the off season. That's why when he got benched so quickly, it was so stunning. It was like, I thought we were past all this stuff. And apparently we weren't like, if you go by the reporting, it was, he did fix all the work ethic stuff. He got the starting job. The season starts, things kind of change when the season starts in terms of preparation. 
And he didn't sort of meet those expectations. And so he's kind of slacked off once the season started. And that's and that in conjunction with the bad play led to him being benched. But what was always so telling was it wasn't just that he got benched. It's that he got demoted to QB3. It was like, it'd be one thing if they made him the backup. They didn't mm-hmm. do that. They made him the third string guy. So you're not getting any reps in practice. They talked about him in ways that really made you feel like they're just not feeling it with him. And, and it, it came across as... They're angry at him for slacking with the preparation, and they don't really think there's enough to him to where he's worthy of kind of sticking with. And like, because like, if you think a guy's really good or has a lot of potential, you say, "All right, you got to work harder." Like, here's how you do it. And it kind of felt like they were like, "The heck with this guy. We gave him a really good chance. He blew it. We're not going to keep pursuing this because we don't even think he's all that to begin with." So that's kind of been my interpretation of this. You know, things can change, but. It's just hard to see them changing, especially with the way things have gone lately where they're not great, but they are better. I mean, the offense has clearly been better with first Kyle Allen than Alex Smith. I know the schedule has softened up, so you do have to say that, but uh, I just don't see it happening here with Haskins. It's, it's, it's a mess. I don't put it all on him. I think he definitely does shoulder, though, a lot of the blame, but it's been a screwed up situation from the start. The owner forced the pick at 15. The football people didn't want him at 15. They thought he was a second or third round guy. And just kind of from the get-go, this was always a bad fit. I, I did I, I did think it had a chance. I thought he, he played well his last two games last year. But it wasn't great in his four starts this year. And you combine that with the preparation stuff, which clearly was as big, if not the biggest reason for the benching. And it's just it's hard to come back from that, especially with a staff that didn't necessarily want you to begin with. It's interesting because – not a lot of teams talk bad about a certain player because it drives down their trade value. Right. And it's like, well, they demote him to third string. You know, they're not even – the asking price is going to be lower from other teams. So I, I just think, you know, it's good points that you mentioned, but that they try to keep, you know, more of that in-house. They did not do a good job of that. And I think what happened was – so when Ron benched Dwayne initially, he got killed for it because people are like, what are you doing? It's four games. You know, he starts talking about the division when it's like – this is supposed to be a developmental year, and you yourself have said that. So I think that stuff that came out about the work ethic was their pushback to all the criticism. I understand why they felt the need to do that, but I agree with you. They should not have done that. It's not a good look, and just more practically speaking, it drives down his trade value. Like, why would you do that? Now, I don't know how high that value would have been anyway, but you still want to try. And so I I agree. That was not a good look, but I I think it's kind of like two things can be true. It may have been bad that they leaked that stuff, but it doesn't mean that that stuff isn't true. And there's been enough, you know, it wasn't just the initial report from the Post about that. There's been other stuff. John Kime of ESPN has had some stuff. I know when I on the show have had on people who cover the team, they back up that stuff. Like, they don't ever say, no, you know, this is BS. This is not true. Mm-hmm. I think it's as telling as anything, too, is this. Since the benching, and the benching is now, what, two months ago, not a single player has come out against the benching, like publicly or anonymously. And you've actually had the opposite of it, where players have talked up the quarterbacks who replaced Dwayne. I mean, you know, Chase Young, after the win on Thanksgiving, puts out a tweet saying, I love me some 11, I Alex Smith. And it's not like Alex had some dominant game on Thanksgiving. It's not like he killed it or had, you know, five touchdown passes or threw for 400 yards. But still, Chase Young puts that out there. It's like they really do believe in these other guys, especially Alex. It doesn't mean they hate Dwayne. I mean, I don't, I don't think that. But I don't think they look at this and say, man, what was Rivera doing in doing this? I think they look at this and they say to themselves, yeah, this kind of made sense. And 
I, I always go back to to Rivera shortly after the benching. I, I think actually it might have been on the day of the benching. He said, I see the frustration on the sidelines. So he, he like invoked the idea that the players themselves are frustrated with the quarterback play and feel like the team could do better at the position. And I thought that was telling because Ron, I remember this, he brought it up unsolicited. Nobody asked him, well, what the other players think about this? Like Ron himself brought that up. And I thought that was telling. That's not normally something a coach will do. He did that. Al, staying with the quarterbacks, Alex Smith, God bless him. I'm like a scared mom watching him play out there. He's been playing pretty decent of late, but the team is not throwing the ball deep this year. And if they are, it's it's at an awful percentage. On the 378 passing attempts by Washington quarterbacks this season, only 53 have traveled 20 or more yards downfield, which is only a 14% completion percentage. On those throws, they basically range anywhere uh, 31 to 40%, uh, depending on the day. But I, again, I, I don't think anyone sees that Alex Smith is the quarterback of the future for this team. And if they win enough games, which right now they are, they're not going to have a chance to get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. So what do you think this team does at the quarterback position going into 2021? It's really hard to say. Uh, I, I've said I want either a division title or a top three pick. My biggest concern is that they're going to get neither, and that, <laughs> that worries me. That like they're going to finish five and eleven, or maybe six and ten, and they don't win the division, so they don't make the playoffs, but they don't get say a top five pick, something like that. That's the worst case scenario. It doesn't mean you can't get a really good player with your pick, but it's just like you either want one or the other. You don't want to be in the middle. You want to either be really bad or really good, or at least good enough this year to get into the postseason and host a playoff game. I think as things stand now, I mean, I think we all saw the Ian Rappaport report Thanksgiving morning. They want Alex back next year. I'm open to that. I, I don't think that should be a certainty. I think how he plays the rest of this season matters. But if he plays well and they aren't just going to, like, hand him the starting job, that he'll be, be, be part of a quarterback mix or he'll be a bridge quarterback or he'll be even the backup quarterback, I would be okay with them retaining him. And I also, and I think you were getting to this, I don't want them to not draft a quarterback. So you can keep Alex if you want. They can do it from a cap standpoint. It's not ideal, but they can make it work. But I want them to draft somebody if they really like somebody. And that's the wild card with all this. We don't know how they view this quarterback class. It seems to be a really good class. But, you know, Ron Rivera, Kyle Smith, do they look at it and they say to themselves, well, it's Trevor Lawrence and there's a huge drop-off. Or do they maybe say, well, you know what, it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and then there's maybe a drop-off. Or do they maybe say, you know what, there are like five or six potential really good quarterbacks in this draft. This is a really good class. If that's the case, then you probably can get a good quarterback even without a top three, top five pick. So it's going to depend on what they think of the class. I don't think they're going to – they're not going to get Lawrence. I mean, at this point, getting the number one overall pick is pretty much out the window. I think getting uh, Fields at two is probably out the window. It doesn't mean you can't trade up, but I mean, it's not something you, you uh, want to be in the business of doing, but what do they think of those other quarterbacks? I think Alex for now, you have to say he's going to be back next year. I think Kyle Allen's going to be resigned to be back next year. I think Haskins is gone. So I think you're looking at Smith Allen and then in theory, a drafted player, but are we talking about a first round drafted player or like a middle round drafted player? I think that'll impact who starts next year, but I don't think anyone loves the quarterback situation, even though Alex has been a lot better than I ever thought he would be. You know, you mentioned throwing deep. It's so interesting. Those first two games of this four-game stretch he's been on, he they, he threw for a bunch of yards, especially in that first game. That yards per pass attempt was sky high. I mean, it was awesome to see that. It was like, that's not the Alex we're used to. Even in the second game, you saw some of that. The last two games, it's been more vintage Alex, where he's mm -hmm. throwing short. It's tricky because... 
they're doing a lot of progressive things. Like they're throwing a lot on first downs, which is good. They're throwing a lot to the backs, which I think is good. So that stuff is good. He's throwing Alex's to a much higher completion percentage than he ever did in 2018, which is good. He's completed like 71% of his passes the last four games. So all that's good, but you're right. They're not throwing deep a ton. And in today's NFL, that's tough to win that way. And that's not the way, personally, I want my team to be offensively in 2020. You got to be able to connect deep. They don't do it often enough. And it's hard to see if Alex is here for another year as a starter, that that's going to suddenly change next year. There might be a game or two here or there, but... I think these last two games, like this is more what we're used to with Alex, and it kind of feels like those initial two games, the Giants and Lions games, it probably were more aberration than anything else. You know, it's interesting because we talk about a lot of change with this organization. It seems like there's always something to talk about. And kind of looking at a macro perspective, this past offseason, they changed their name to the Washington football team, you know, previously the Skins. You know, what are your thoughts? Do you like this name? You know, they talked about keeping it for next year. Yeah, so. I'm fine with the name for now, like as a temporary name. I think it's good they didn't rush into something. You know, you take your time. And Washington football team, like I can live with that for a season, maybe even two. I think the uniforms actually aren't that bad for this year. I want no part, though, of that as a long-term name. I, I think – I mean, that's not a name. It's it's a, it's like you're punting on the issue of a name. Like yeah. you're just saying we're the football team. Like, no, like pick a name. You know, teams change names. Um I think it's debatable whether this team should have changed its name. I think there was a lot that went into that, but it, it's over. Like, the debate's done. They changed the name for a lot of different reasons. So, to me, it's like, okay, put on your big boy pants and pick a new name. I Take your time, and I'm fine with this. If it's Washington football team next year, that's fine. I, I don't have a real problem with that. But this thing of they can be the football team moving forward, I'm like, no, they shouldn't be. That I, I just I don't, I don't like that. I always feel weird calling them Washington and like I do it on the show every day and I do it a lot every day because we like you said we talk a lot about the team (laughs) it never feels natural like you don't call your teams by their city you call your teams by their names like we say capitals or caps we Mm -hmm. say you know nationals or nats we say wizards or whiz I I never refer to those teams as Washington like no it's Mm -hmm. a that's a very like distant way of doing it and and I tell you what and this is kind of more basic but it's it's uh it's like wordy washington is right it's three syllables you want like a one syllable Mm -hmm. reference to the team you want caps Mm -hmm. or nats or o's or terps or something like that you can't do that with this team you can always say washington (laughs) and like it's to me it's annoying to in in addition to just being awkward and i'm never going to say football team and like that's even worse you call them the football team Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i just think they got to pick a name uh i think the new president, Jason, write this stuff about maybe it'll be the long-term name, Washington football team. I think it's more of a trial balloon. I think he's just putting that out there to see how people respond to it. I'm surprised there are people who do like it. I just, to me, it's not a name. Like, pick a name. Uh, well, you can do it. Let me ask you, because maybe you're superstitious. Let's say with Washington football team, because they're, they're winning the division right now. If they win the division and they win a playoff game in their only season or their first season as the football team, are you on more on board with keeping it? So I've thought about that. I was like, what if this is a magical season? I, I still would say no. I mean, if they win the Super it. Bowl, if they win the Super Bowl, then maybe I'd be like, eh, all right, that's pretty <laughs> incredible that that happened. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, no, especially like if they win the division at six and 10. I mean, I, I can't like you won the division because everyone else around you sucked. You didn't win the division yeah. because like you were so good and this is such a magical year. So 
but yeah, I have wondered that. I'm like, yeah, maybe this will be kind of a, a fun thing that we can always live off of. But no, nah, I just I think they got to pick something. I think there are some good candidates. Nothing is perfect, but my, my experience with stuff like this is whatever the new name is, everyone will complain because that's how we are. But people also will get used to it much quicker than they ever thought. That's another thing about change. People don't like it, but they always get used to it quicker than they ever thought they would. And I tend to think that would happen with the new name for this team. Going back to the WFT, I don't know if you ever call them that. Yeah. When, but uh, Only on Twitter because <laughs> of character limitations. But uh, I want to look at a couple skill positions and a couple gems. One you refer to as Dallas's daddy. And Antonio Gibson, <laughs> yeah, and he's gotten over fifty-two percent of the team's rushes with both McKissick and Barber at around twenty-one percent each. McKiss or Gibson also has doubled both of them in red zone carries. You look at the pass catcher side, and you have I think the most underrated player in the NFL, and Terry McLaurin. F one has ninety-six targets at over twenty-seven percent target share, which shows him top five in the league. And then you look at the rest of the pass catchers. It's JD McKissick at eighteen percent target share and then Logan Thomas, and then Antonio Gibson. The next wide receiver on this roster in terms of targets is Isaiah Wright. His 29 targets and an 8% target share. So I'm curious, if you're the GM of this team, what are you doing to the running back and wide receiver rooms this offseason? Yeah, well, obviously McLaurin's under contract, and I don't think it's too early to talk long-term extension with him. Um, I don't know if he's going to want to do that, but I would definitely try to initiate that and see where it goes. Uh, obviously, Gibson is under contract. So you have to touch him. McKissick is, I'm pretty sure that's a one-year deal they signed him to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, they should resign him. I, I think he's been good. Um, he's, you know, obviously a different kind of back. He's not someone you're ever going to give the ball to 20 times in a game. But I don't think you need that in today's NFL. I think you can run the ball by committee. And I think a lot of their throws to backs are like run extension plays anyway. You know, I, I think people need to get away from the stuff of, you know, you have to be balanced and run the ball as often as you throw the ball. Like, you can't look at it that way. Balance is getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers evenly or enough. Like, that's balance. Balance isn't 30 rushes and 30 passes. People have got to get off that. Uh, so, But, yeah, I would want McKissick back. I think he's good. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting with Gibson. I think he may well be asserting himself. You know, it's been kind of a, a pretty even split so far this year in terms of playing time for Gibson and McKissick. I think Gibson may be asserting himself here down the stretch. I mean, the last two games – Gibson's had the bulk of the carries this year, but I don't think anybody, every, anyone has ever viewed him as like the unquestioned number one running back on this team. I think that may be changing as the season goes on. The The disappointment with the running backs is this Bryce Love situation, because I think we all were excited when they drafted him. They started him practicing a few weeks ago with him still on IR with that knee, and he had a setback, and it doesn't seem to be going well. And if his first two years in the NFL result in him never playing a single regular season game, I just don't know... I mean, where are you going with this? Like, what is your three? Is it all of a sudden going to turn around? So, you know, the, the love thing seems like kind of a, a, a dry hole. I hope not because I was excited when they took him, but it kind of feels that way. Um, I, I think, though, this with the skill position, guys, I, I think one of the most overrated things in the offseason and early in this season was that they had no weapons. I, I think people said that, and I just thought, I was like, you might be right, but we don't know. They have unproven weapons. But there always was optimism with Antonio Gibson. I had optimism with Steven Sims. It hasn't really come to pass this year, but we've seen Cam Sims do some nice things lately. I think Isaiah Wright's got something to him. You know, I know he's undrafted, but he's got speed. To me, this offseason, I would not go bonkers trying to spend a bunch of money in free agency on skill position guys. I would try to add another, you know, few in the draft. 
Try to develop the people you have. But I, I really always believe this. I think your quarterback will elevate your skill position, guys. And I think if you have good quarterback play, your skill position guys look better. The same cast of people who who people were ripping early in the year, they're not ripping as much anymore because we, we're seeing with Allen and Smith, at quarterback, we're seeing Logan Thomas make some plays. We've seen Cam Sims make plays. We've seen Isaiah Wright make plays. And it's like you got people here who can do some things. Washington is not the Chiefs in terms of skill position people. I get that, but I don't think it's this like, you know, barren landscape that people made it out to be where it's McLaurin and a bunch of nobodies. Like, no, McLaurin, Gibson, McKissick, that's a pretty nice three-way manner of starting things off. I think they need to bolster tight end because after Logan Thomas, it's very clear they don't believe in anyone else at tight end on the roster. And I think Thomas ideally is probably a TE2. Like, I don't think he's a mm-hmm. starter on a good offense. I think he's probably a second tight end. Mm-hmm. But I think they have some pieces on, on offense. And I would not go nuts in free agency signing a bunch of skill position guys. I'd, I'd spend my money elsewhere. And it's interesting, too, because I think it's also the players, but how you use them in the schemes. Right. Like they've gotten more creative. They had Logan Thomas with that uh, trick play where he's throwing a pass. And I've seen a lot of times McKissick and Gibson lined up together. And I think – They've been more creative this year than in years past watching them. I agree, uh, especially with Logan Thomas. I mean, in the Thanksgiving game, he was a thrower, a catcher, and a runner. Like, that's mm-hmm. being creative. Um, yeah, I think you're right. You just need people who are kind of good enough. I, I, I don't want to downplay it too much, but I always go back to 2012 with RG3. You look at who he was throwing to that year. I mean, it was Joshua Morgan and Leonard Hankerson and Aldrick Robinson and Logan Paulson and – you know, Pierre Garcon was on the team, but he missed half the year with his toe injury. And it's like, that's who you were throwing to. And yet you had this dynamic, explosive passing game because the quarterback was really good. The scheme was really good. And the offensive line protected well. I think your offensive line matters a lot more than your skill position, guys. You just need guys who are good enough. They're going to catch the football. And you need one or two guys who can get yardage after the catch. But you don't need this, like, elite you, – you don't need this elite-level receiver play across the board like you just need people who are good enough and and I I think they have that it's not perfect it can be better but it's not this terrible state of weaponry that people made it out to be a few months back and we're talking about weapons on the team and uh, we have to look at the Washington defense because man they just ate Andy Dalton for Thanksgiving dinner the other night and a team that already looked great on defense last year turned a corner even more so this year with the addition of Chase Young. They've overcome some injuries on their defense, but they're still the number one DVOA defense adjusted value over average team against the pass. They're also allowing the second fewest passing attempts per game. And even though they're in the middle of, ta- uh, middle of the pack in terms of yards per carry against the run, they're still the fifth fewest total yards per game allowed. This team looks like they're, for lack of a better term, going to f you up <laughs> on defense. So, I, are you? I'm curious. Any changes you see for this defense this off season? Yeah, I think it's going to be in the linebacking core. Um, we talked earlier about Haskins and how negative Ron has been on Dwayne so often. The second item on which Ron has been the most publicly negative this season has been the linebackers. Like it's been, it's really stood out. Like he hasn't held back. He just has said, yeah, they need to be better. Like people will ask him like, well, what do you want to see? And he'll just say like point blank, they need to be more productive. Um, so I think they need to try to bolster that this off season. If they don't go, it, it, like we talked about free agency, I haven't looked at who the free agent linebackers are, but I could see that them spending big money on a guy they really think could come here and help them from a linebacking perspective. Uh, It's notable 
John Bostic's playing time has plummeted over the last two games. He's gone from playing about every snap of every game to now playing about half the snaps over the last two games. Uh, so that's telling. You know, it's funny. He, Ron would trash the linebackers, and he kept playing Bostic all the time. And you're like, well, if you think the linebacking play is that poor, why do you keep playing the same guy so often every game? But w- whatever. Bostic, I, I think he's okay, but I, I don't think he's that good. Like, he's, you know, I think probably a backup on a good defense. So, you know, there's that. I think Cole Holcomb has shown some good things this year. I think he's probably back. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, he's another guy whose playing time has gone down, so I'm not sure at this point. They liked him going into the season. He played well at times early in the year, but uh, just the fact that, Ron, again, he's been so publicly negative about it, I I think that's going to spend their money. Defensive line is set. uh, I think the secondary, especially at corner, they've been better than I I think a lot of us thought they would be, especially Darby. I, I was not in love with the Darby signing and also them just going into the season with Darby as their second corner and, like, them just saying, yeah, that's our guy. I think he's played well. Uh, he didn't have a great Thanksgiving game, that's true. And he did give some stuff up early in the year. But I think, by and large, he's done a pretty good job. I think Kendall Fuller's been good. Uh, I'm still kind of mystified by this Fabian Moreau thing where, like, they never play him. I, I don't understand what that's about. I wish somebody would ask Ron about that during one of these press conferences because I think it surprised a lot of people that Moreau has just been buried uh, for so much of this year. But I think the secondaries. I don't want to overstate it, but I don't think it's a concern the linebacking core is. I think that's probably what they try to upgrade the most this offseason. We're talking with Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi Show on the Team 980. Al, I want to be respectful of your time, so we'll get you out of here on this. It's a little bit of a rapid fire, just 10 quick questions, kind of a this or that style. Okay. Uh, are you game for it? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll do my best. I can't promise anything, but I'll try. All right, here we go. Number one. The UMD Championship in 2002 or the Nationals Championship in 19? Ah, uh, boy. I would say the Terrapins title in 02. I graduated in 01, but that was kind of an extension in 02 of what happened in 01, which is one of the great in-season turnarounds of all time, where you go from being booed off the court on Valentine's night against Florida State to making the Final Four. So it's, that, that is close, but I'd say Terps in 02. All right, John Beck or Rex Grossman? Uh, Sexy Rexy, because (laughs) Sexy Rexy had one of the all-time quotes, which I reference all the time, which is, every interception has its own story. And (laughs) only only a man who threw picks as often as Rex did could make interceptions sound so poetic and dramatic by saying that. So he knows every story, I promise you that. And uh, Rex was fun, man. He had kind of a pot belly. He would just sling it. He actually had some good games here. The problem was he had some really bad games too. The the definition of interception, if you look it up yes. in the dictionary. Yes. James uh, going to close second. Yes. Yeah. Pancakes, waffles, or French toast? Um, probably pancakes. Yeah, oh, pancakes. Al, I was with you the first two, but yeah. over French toast? French toast is good. I think there's a diversity, though, with pancakes. See, French toast is kind of a standard way. Pancakes... You can go blueberries, you can go strawberries, you can go chocolate. There's a lot of ways. Yeah, I like it. There's more variation. Pancakes like an Antonio Gibson. You can do a lot of different things with it. So, (laughs) All right, I like that. Would you rather have your underwear be one size too small or your shoes be two sizes too big? Uh, Underwear too small. (laughs) People aren't going to see that. The shoes are going to see. That's that's a good point. Would you rather live without music or live without TV? Uh, without music. I mean, that wouldn't be good, but unless are you, can I still watch TV on my phone or you can't watch TV at all? You no, 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 you can hear about like everything going on, but like you can't watch anything. Uh, you got to see it, man. That's, that's, 
I'm too addicted to it like everybody else, so I can't do no TV. <laughs> I love it. Would you rather be a member of the Kardashians or the Obamas? Uh, the Kardashians yes. because there are more of them. And if I want, I can be on TV all the time, which I think is you, – you can take that and turn it into whatever you want. So I would do that. Plus, I could say Kanye's in my family, which is definitely positive. <laughs> I like that. Last few here. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, yes. Because it's got Why? two slices of bread and something in the middle? Yes. I'll, I, I'll, I'll, that's a hot take, controversial opinion, but I'm going to give it here. I like it. Would you rather wear a Duke shirt for a day or a Dallas shirt for a day? Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> I <laughs> really one, would maybe. not want to do either. Gun to my head, I guess I'd say Duke, but no! that's oh. that's really, really, really tough. As a Duke, because I could sell, I could sell Duke as Sonny Jurgensen went to Duke. So okay, maybe the best quarterback in Washington football history went to Duke. So I, I could maybe sell it that way. I don't know how I would sell the Cowboys thing. That that would be very difficult to explain. Okay, I like the reasoning. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Uh, one horse-sized duck because it's not going to have a lot of stamina. So if I could just kind of make it gas out, I could maybe gain the advantage. You got 100 coming at you. That's tough to overcome. You might get through the first 80 or 90, but those last 10 are going to be challenging. I like the reasoning. And yeah. then we'll finish out with this one. Voice swap with me. So we got to switch voices or you got to shave your head. Well, I already cut my hair pretty close to the, to the skin here. I mean, it's not that long. So I would, I guess I'd have to say the latter only because I mean, you have a good voice. I'm not knocking the voice, but I just, I already kind of do it already. Like when I, when I shave my head, I, I think I use number one on the clip. So it's like yeah. it's pretty close to that already. So I'm kind of there, not all the way there, but close enough there. What a great way to end. Knocking David, I love it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I'm still trying to overcome that Duke Dallas decision. That's that might be a good phone topic one day. That's really tough. There's not a there's not a good answer for that one. I would love to hear the answer, especially like everybody in this area, because that's like picking the two biggest evils in this area to pick from. Yeah, I mean, I've always said Duke, Dallas, and the Yankees. That's my sports axis of hate. Those are like the three <laughs> teams I can never root for ever. It's not that you like every other team but those are like the big three those are it's really hard to ever feel good about those three teams those are like the three biggest bandwagon teams i feel like too i think you're right i think you're probably right about there's a reason lebron is a cowboys fan and we always say he's a yankees fan too you know (laughs) that there's they the two kind of go hand in hand love that well al it was absolute pleasure having you on the show we really appreciate you giving us your time today uh no problem it's great to talk with you guys and all the best to you guys appreciate you having me of course, and make sure you follow Al on Twitter at Al Galdi. That's A-L-G-A-L-D-I. You can listen to him locally in the DMV on 95.9 FM from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. every weekday. And if you don't live locally here, you can also still listen to that golden voice through the radio.com app, searching his name wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Al, anything you would like else to promote to our audience, anything you're working on or you're doing? No, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, the Twitter feed and the uh, radio.com app is big for us now. We, we got uh, acquired by a new company, and that's it's actually a really good app. I've been playing around with it, so you can listen to our station and a lot of really good sports stations around the country. So, um, yeah, the radio.com app is a great way to listen to what I do and what everyone else does at the station. 
Perfect. Make sure you're following the show at Trip Play Fantasy on Twitter. We have Tom Gordon, former three-time All-Star, coming on this week, along with other great fantasy content, so stay tuned for that. Until then, we will catch you all soon. Stay safe. See you all later this week.